You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 280th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 922nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of March 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call. That is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I will say that Jared wrote the banner moment this week, and I did not want his words to be uh, lost to uh, lost to time. And he is—they've uh, had some pretty big storms come through Dallas, so I think he's going to join us here uh, in a little bit. But was dealing with some of the aftermath of that. So, uh, like I said, just want to give him credit. But I thought this was a pretty good uh, summation of the week. So here goes. This week's banner moment occurred on Saturday when Indiana went into one of the toughest arenas in college basketball and emerged victorious. In that performance, Indiana showed everything you'd want to see from a national championship contender. A versatile All-American leader who is all about the team and willing to do whatever it takes to win. A superstar guard who can go get a shot on one end while playing harassing defense on the other end. A supporting cast full of guys who can make outside shots, play good team defense, compete with mental and physical toughness, and who understand how to support their star players. And a coaching staff that can devise a smart game plan, make adjustments, and get their players ready to concentrate and compete for 40 minutes despite all the chaos going on around them. Indiana's eight-point win at Purdue coming on the heels of their 15-point beatdown of Illinois and Champaign, two-point win at Xavier, and one-point win at Michigan are the most compelling data points of the season. And that is that this IU team really is different and has the potential to string together wins away from home in March. Now, granted, the Purdue win was sandwiched between a 15-point loss at Michigan State and an inexplicable 22-point home loss to Iowa, so triangulating who the quote-unquote real Hoosiers are is no easy task. And it may turn out that this group is simply not consistent enough to win more than a game or two in a tournament setting. But what we saw on Saturday in West Lafayette was real, and if Indiana can summon that kind of focused performance more regularly in March, these Hoosiers will be a team no one wants to see in their bracket. All right, let me introduce my co-host for this week. To my left, he is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bracketology, and the man that I lie awake at night worrying about. Cost a dollar, heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time. Uh, perhaps that last line would have made more sense had I introduced myself as Jared had planned to do because he described me as the man Joe Lenardi lies, at, lies awake at night worrying about, which is likely untrue. Uh, but anyway, the line about me worrying about... Uh, Worrying about coach might have made slightly more sense then, but anyway, coach, yeah. uh, <laughs> welcome. Total, how are you doing? This total season? bracketology stuff. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. No, what an up and down uh, time since we were on last Thursday. You had the highs of uh, Saturday. <laughs> a lot and has not, happened since then. That's yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, 
uh, you know, a great performance on, on Saturday and then a, a real disappointing one on Tuesday. And I, I think, you know, your line there, Jared's line or, or whatever about uh, which Indiana team can we see going forward is, is just the big lingering question. And, and after you have some time to, you know, process what happened uh, Tuesday night, you know, this team has uh, uh, done well this year overall. If you would have said that we would have the last time we would have had the roster together uh, completely would have been the North Carolina game, and you and I are going to talk about maybe a real comfortable four seed at worst five seed for that basketball team, especially when your point guards are out and Trace Jackson Davis had a string of games where his back was tightened and race isn't been total. I think once I stepped back and took a look at the the macro of the season, given what's happened, and not trying to make excuses, um, but I think that this is in a good position. And then going forward, the expectations are: if the good Hoosiers show up, we can win a game. If the bad Hoosiers show up, the season's gonna gonna end. And I think you could probably say that about a lot of college, uh, ba- you know, basketball teams to some extent. I do think there's some issues uh, if you get down the tournament. Do we have the, you know, the playbook to get back? And all of those things were valid after Tuesday night. But overall, when's the last time we've been comfortable on Selection Sunday? And the big thing is, are they a four or a five? Or, or somehow do they make a run to the three, which I think is unlikely. But uh, so uh, I, I'm all right with uh, with where the Hoosiers are totally, I guess. Yeah, it's been interesting. I, I wasn't on the show with you guys the other night, and I thought it was one. I thought you guys did a good job, and it, it's to a certain extent in that game. Like, what are you really going to talk about? The 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 same things that have been issues for this team in the games where it really didn't play well at all were issues there. And the refrain of "It's not that this team lost; it's how they lost" is one that I think we've said in almost every single game. Uh, that was, you know, that they've lost just because there were stretches of play where they just showed so much less than they have at other key moments. And it's probably not fair um, for this program where it is right now. Maybe it ought to be. and We all wish that it was to expect a more consistent level of play than than maybe what we get on a regular basis. And um, but it also coming off the high of, of the Purdue game, I think is reasonable for people to. Uh, it's it's natural for people to have their expectations raised and uh, and as you go into that other game try to you know have have thoughts of hey we got two home games we're gonna win these games and and get to 13 and seven in the league and uh, I, I think that's natural and I think the result of what happened is why people have kind of kept this team at arm's length over the course of the season um, trying not to get hurt and, and trying not to um, you know get get too excited about it which is uh, probably somewhat telling of, of how the program has been in recent years that you, uh, that even sometimes in the good times, you can't get as excited as you, as you hoped you could without feeling like a rug's going to be pulled out from underneath you. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think that's where the bracketology part, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute of it, it forces you to step back and look at everything and not just be a prisoner of the moment of this game was awful this team should drop three seed lines. It's just not how it works, um, even though it feels like it in the moment. Um, and, 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 and so I, I think that does kind of help frame a little bit of maybe our perspective on it uh, a little bit differently, just because at least at this time of year, that's such a bigger focus. Now, maybe that happens earlier in the year and 
uh, I take a different tact when we go that way. But uh, anyway, it does does help kind of frame, frame it up a little bit differently. But uh, that being said, uh, what we've got in store this week, uh, in the first segment, we're going to uh, talk a little bracketology, uh, do a Big Ten regular season reset, um, which is incredibly difficult. And I know we both kind of have the Michigan-Illinois game on at the moment. It just went to overtime. So further complicating matters of trying to sort out uh, all the teams with eight losses. So we'll do our best to kind of at least reset the, ske- the, the standings in the schedule. Uh, I don't think I'm smart enough to know what exactly I want no. to happen outside of IU winning over the weekend. So uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll take a shot at doing that. Uh, segment two, we'll look a little bit at the legacy of Trace Jackson Davis as he uh, heads into senior day on Sunday. And segment three, we'll answer your questions as part of our mailbag, as we always do. So all that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But now let's talk a bit about our presenting sponsor. And this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many more, including the new Women's Basketball Big Ten Champ shirt that they unveiled at the end of last week, and uh, of which I ordered one for each member of my family. Uh, and the bottom line is that Homefield has something for fans and grads at pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. No matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washes. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. And what can be better than that? Uh, Coach and I, I believe, are both wearing home field apparel right now, it would appear. Uh, Coach, I believe, with the Indiana State shirt? I'm judging yes. by the color only. All right. Yep. And I've they got played a, uh, today. so Yeah, they won. They won. Yep. And uh, I've got this Hawaii sweatshirt on, which is probably the sweatshirt I've worn the most of any over the last few years. It's just super comfortable. So uh, we are... Uh, Big supporters of Home Field, and certainly would encourage you to check them out if you haven't already. You can go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code HOME to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, that website, homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. Buzzer beater. All right. Minnesota over Rutgers. Oh, really? They're checking the clock, but I think he got it off. That's the Home Field music. Get your Rutgers gear, or no, get your Minnesota. Just get something from home field. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually some decent Minnesota stuff on there, to be honest, which I've not ordered because I tend to be of the opinion that I'm just not going to order anything from other Big Ten schools. Um, But uh, as has been been well documented on here, you don't take that approach, and that's okay. (laughs) You know, to elongate the home field ad, uh, there's just two different tacks. You know, yes, you don't want to wear schools that you don't like. Uh, I just like college gear altogether. I think there's some, you know, some colors and some, you know, uh, some I wear out to where people can see. And then some I wear to, you know, pick up dog poop or something in the, in the yard when I, I need to, but, uh, there's lots of good stuff. So. Absolutely. All right. All right. So let's talk a little bracketology first. Um, maybe give this Michigan Illinois game time to end. Uh, so, so coach, I think you and the, and the group at Delphi have, I haven't put out a bracket since Monday and quite honestly, other than updating some of the spreadsheets I look at, haven't really attempted to. Um, but you guys I know are in full swing meeting pretty regularly. So, uh, like I said, I think a lot of people after the, uh, after the Iowa game were like, this drops IU to a six seed or something like that, which was not true. 
Uh, it was just one game. It was a really bad game, uh, no doubt about it. But but kind of what did that do in in, in the eyes of you and the uh, and the team at Delphi? And where do you have them right now? Well, we say a lot on our podcast and in our committee room, one loss doesn't mean you automatically drop down. If you lose and a team behind you does something successful, then you may switch places. And if that is the difference between the 12th overall seed and the 13th, then you're going to fall from a three to a four seed. And I think ultimately that's what happened with with Indiana uh, in the loss. It was a big loss. Uh, it, it moved their metrics down quite a bit, their net rating uh, down to 29. And the same night, I believe, or the night before, Gonzaga beat a real low opponent, but they beat them by like 40 points. And now Gonzaga is in the semifinals. They won their conference. Marquette won as well on Tuesday, which had been behind Indiana, and won their conference regular season. And And I think those things are going to be tough to overcome uh, the, Indiana would have been ahead if they would have defeated Iowa and defeated uh, Michigan on Sunday coming up. I think they would have been had enough to stay ahead of all of that action. But I, I think Indiana just fell to I think 14 overall, which is middle of the of the four seed line. And I think they're relatively safe unless they lose their next two games, and then compare to those teams that are on the five seed line if if they do some solid work. So I think it dropped Indiana a seed line, but it really dropped them maybe two or three spots, but not because of the loss by itself, because other teams around it uh, won. And I think Indiana's safely a four or five uh, going forward. I'd be shocked to see them either higher or lower. Yeah, I think when I, I – I just have the bracket matrix pulled up, at least to what it is right now. They're right exactly where you said they'd be 14th on the seed list here behind UConn with an average seed of 3.89 and just in front of Xavier with an average seed of 4.10. Once you get past Xavier, you go to Virginia, who's 4.32 is the average. And I think this average still might count a couple things from uh, even a, a day or two ago. But there's a pretty big gap then between Virginia and St. Mary's, who's the next team to get to the five line. So, again, I think we all want to see IU win on Sunday, and I think that stabilizes things a little bit and, and probably almost guarantees them a four seed. Uh, in some ways, it certainly depends on who they play in the Big Ten tournament and things like that. But, um, but anyway, I, I I'm I'm with you there. I think it's important to for people to understand that for as bad as those things can look and feel, it truly is one game out of things. And and losing to Iowa in and of itself is not a a bad loss as another tournament caliber team. Uh, the margin obviously wasn't good for a number of the metrics that are on the team sheet, and that doesn't help. Uh, a ton and, and speaks to how important some of those things are. But overall, um, feel like I used still in reasonably good position and and would be hard pressed to see them fall past a five, I would think. Um, and and it, it's funny, and I know Coach said this a minute ago, where it, it also depends on teams, how teams behind you play. And I think it's hard for people to, um, to understand that at some points, quite frankly, because um, – there are, are occasions where it seems like, oh, this, if this happens, you know, if you beat team X, then you'll be here. And that's just not yeah. the way it works. It makes it hard to answer questions. It was a, uh, a guy from Memphis who was, uh, who was asking me some questions last night, uh, over text. And I was like, I feel like you think that I'm hedging on every answer that I'm giving you by saying, well, it depends on this and depends on whatever. Um, cause he was phrasing the questions very much in a way of, well, if they win this game, what is that, you know, are they in? And it, it's just not um, always that easy, which isn't doesn't make anybody feel better. I think it would make people feel a lot better if you said, 
you know, you did this, that means you get this seed and you're good. But uh, unfortunately, that makes it uh, that makes it difficult. But uh, anyway, all right. Well, Jared has joined us just in time. Jared, we we talked bracketology first so that we could attempt uh, to sort out the Big Ten standings, which just becomes uh, even more of a chore by the minute. And not to mention the fact that this uh, Michigan and Illinois game is is now in overtime. So. Um, I haven't napped. Don't ask me about the Big Ten tournament scenarios. I don't too, know if that would too, help you or not, to, to be honest. Out. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, let's just reset the games first. Let's let's start there. Um, so tonight you've got Michigan at Illinois. That's an overtime. Uh, we'll end, presumably, uh, unless it goes to multiple overtimes by the time we wrap up here. Rutgers at Minnesota seemed like a potential non-event, but uh, Minnesota came back from like 10 down. I know. When Coach and I, before we got on, he said, oh, yeah, they're up like 10 with a minute and six seconds left. And uh, Rutgers somehow came back, or or Minnesota came back and won. Then you've got Purdue at Wisconsin. Wait, Minnesota Uh, beat Rutgers? Well, Yeah, last second second shot from Jameson They're still reviewing it. Um, Oh. They're still reviewing it. This conference is ridiculous. They're still reviewing it? It happened like five minutes ago. Yeah, so it's it's seventy five seventy four Minnesota. They hit a three pointer with point two seconds left, and I think they're questioning whether the clock started correctly or not. Oh no! Oh dear! This all conference right, so is drunk. Right, the Big so Ten is drunk. It's official. So we don't know anything about that game apparently. Um, so the weekend games <laughs> or anything. We'll just, yeah, no. <laughs> really, that's a fair point. Uh, so weekend games, you've got Ohio State at Michigan State, uh, uh, Michigan at IU, as as we all know, Maryland at Penn State. Uh, and a very interesting game for a variety of reasons. One, Maryland can't win away from home. Their only two road wins this year are against Minnesota and Louisville, which I'm not sure count as road wins. Uh, and Penn State, after that great win at Northwestern last night, that becomes a really big game for them. Uh, Illinois at Purdue, I, I don't see that as a game Purdue is going to lose, so I think you can almost chalk up an Illinois uh, loss there. We'll guess we'll see. Uh, Nebraska at Iowa. Northwestern at Rutgers and Wisconsin at Minnesota. Uh, so uh, what I saw from Crimson cast last night, at least was it seemed better if Michigan won tonight. And then for the most part, home teams won over the weekend. I'm really just latching onto that because these standings are absolutely absurd. Um, and y- you know, so if, it's very hard to do. I wish this other game would end and then we could perhaps be in a little bit better spot. But, uh, but anyway, Illinois so just stormed back and tied it up at 81. <laughs> yeah. And got fouled. So who the heck knows? Uh, uh, so anyway, so I, I think that's what I've heard. Who knows? Um, at this point, it's ridiculous how many teams are in that, uh, you know, eight to nine loss, uh, area of things as you go through it. IU, I will say, um, does not have great tiebreakers against no. a number of the other teams that are that are near them in the standings. So I think that's why rooting for a lot of these teams to lose on the road would help IU to be the team, you know, be one of the ideally the fewer teams that have eight losses, the better for IU because they don't have the tiebreaker against Iowa. They don't have it against Northwestern. And if multiple teams tie, they basically aggregate their records against one another. But with the notion that you could be in a group with Maryland, Iowa, Northwestern, and you're zero and five in those games, that doesn't bode. That doesn't bode well. Um, so they really. I don't I know about the, you guys, man. I just want to get to the game Sunday. Let's beat Michigan. 
Let's listen to these yeah. seniors give great speeches and then just figure it out from there. Because I mean, it really the good gives news me is, tired head yeah, the trying good to figure is, this out. Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is that you'll, you know, there are a number of the games that are on Sunday, though. I think Michigan State, Ohio State, Saturday, but almost everything else is yeah. Sunday. Now, yeah. most everything else is earlier on Sunday, short of Northwestern Rutgers, it looks like. Um, so I would say feels like eh, we're going to double overtime. Outstanding. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so it does this is, really, this this, is perfect yeah this, segment one this, continues this, to <laughs> this is gonna be till 10 o'clock four. yeah <laughs> segments one through four will be us attempting to dissect the big Ten standing so anyway i i do think by the time it gets to um oh god you know tip off of the iu game i think enough of the other results will be in that you you'll have some idea of what the scenarios are that will be much easier to understand now and perhaps even after these games end tonight someone who is far far smarter than me or who has more time than I do can figure out what the different scenarios will be. But uh, anyway, I, regardless, IU needs to win for a variety of reasons for tournament purposes to send TJD out on a winning note uh, to close out what's been a, a, a really good regular season. Uh, lots of reasons to, to, uh, you know, to, to need to win that game and to want to win that game. So um, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens after that, but the most important thing for IU is to win and then figure out what uh, happens from there. So, Jim says, I'm putting the cart before the horse. What makes me think we will win? Well, we better win. I don't want to imagine a scenario where we drop our last two games at home. Uh, you know, we beat Michigan, and again, we're, we're at home. So, yes, this team is schizophrenic. Uh, I think we'd all be lying if we said that we didn't have some doubts after seeing, you know, what they trotted out there against Iowa which was just one of the most putrid home performances that I can remember. Um, but I still have faith that this team will rebound and play much better at home. So, yes, I do believe that we will win that game. But I do, of Especially course, hold out Michigan the possibility. Michigan game goes into six overtime, yeah. so they'll be yeah. less tired. So it'll be fine. But, no, I think we all have to hold out the possibility that, you know, this team is kind of walking a tightrope with the way that they play offense, um, you know, and somewhat with the way they play defense, giving up threes like they do. And if you're going to have a game where you don't have both of your stars clicking and you're giving up three pointers, Indiana can be beaten by anybody. So, yeah, I mean, I, I fully understand that, but I have enough faith in this team. They've done enough this season to give me faith that they'll bounce back and win Sunday. Yeah. Uh, based on the just chat, don't record this. That, this isn't recorded, yeah. right? No, no, one's, no, no we don't. Okay. We don't record just, any of these. Just talking here amongst friends. Just, <laughs> just, just, just a little freelance. Friends. It would appear in the chat that Minnesota has won again, uh, yeah. or the win is confirmed. Who's to say? Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for the the longest and perhaps uh, least insightful segment one that we've had in quite some time since nothing actually <laughs> happened to end it. Uh, we come back. We'll hopefully be more insightful as we talk about Trace Jackson Davis as he gets ready for his final home game as an Indiana Hoosier. What legacy does he leave behind? We'll discuss that next. So stick here with us on the assembly call. Jared, I don't know that I've ever heard you say putrid. You're usually really? positive. <laughs> that was a putrid effort. That's I thought putrid, putrid was actually pretty generous, given how poorly. Oh, they I, I agree. I agree. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, man, good times. Good times. All right. Well, welcome everybody.
Good to be yeah, here. We avoided the worst of the storm, which is good. Yeah, that uh, power, radar power shot plus. you sent us earlier did not look Dude. ideal. <laughs> no. yeah. It was just like oh. coming for hours. You're just like yeah. watching it. It's like, okay, this there is There is no, no possible path of avoidance. You know, no. There's no pocket. No, <laughs> no you're just, you're just, you just don't want to get the worst of it. That's yeah. it. You just don't want to get the worst. So we, we avoided that, which is good. Yes. Kids are asleep, I think. So I can't really ask yeah. for anything better. Good deal. Awesome. Uh, so Illinois is, now up five. Yeah. Matthew Meyer where, with a three and a layup. He must have pounded where, a couple of monsters. Not where you want to be in this game. They put something up that said Michigan <laughs> made a 7-0 run to force overtime and Illinois made a 7-0 run to close the first overtime. So who really knows? Um, so Jared Coach is recording and like producing, if you will, so I can continue to host or if you nice. want to do the TJD part, you're welcome to since you had kind of framed it up in here but we did um, that last week and we're pretty good so i'm yeah sure i, I can know. do it i can okay. i can lead us off here okay that's fine i'm down with that all right oh brad underwood's getting getting upset in a shocking in a shocking turn of events Shafino! Oh, t- <laughs> <laughs> Shafino! <laughs> Oh, that was fun, man. <laughs> Brett, we, in 2013, the kids were at home in high school when we beat Purdue, and we went out on the porch, turned the music on, and just had a time. We didn't drink that time, but last Saturday, Brent was of age, and I'm of age, and that that was a couple hours of really chilly porch dancing and great. a lot of frustration in losing to Purdue coming out uh, in the Tonsoni household. So I'm mm-hmm. glad you got some appreciation out of that. Lots of appreciation. That was a, my, my, that was my a great moment. Was, we appreciate my, you sharing it with us. I don't know that I was in any position to share it. I think I was just hitting well, buttons. And... There's, there's a private collection of videos that were not shared, <laughs> <laughs> but were nonetheless very entertaining. <laughs> I'd be I'd be lying if I said I didn't watch the other one again the day after. And <laughs> I've got to say, just the time I need to pick me up. Sometimes things going bad yeah, at work. Somebody throwing. walks by my desk. I'm watching that. I was like, just move along. There's nothing to see. Yeah. <laughs> Amy <laughs> Amy was uh, filming from inside the house, and Brent's friend was filming outside the house. I think you got the Brent the friend version, but Amy's version inside, and her chuckling, laughing in the background <laughs> while Brent and I were acting like idiots. I can only um, I can only imagine her attempting to hold it together. Yeah. But but wanting so badly to capture it on video that that she just held it together just enough to uh she just shakes her head at us and well my favorite is after you sent the videos then like 20 minutes later you sent the picture of like empty beer cans there was like a liquor <laughs> bottle and like a random bottle of chocolate syrup. It was either Andy or Ryan it's just like what's with the chocolate syrup? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're peppermint <laughs> shots. You take a swig of Hershey's and then you do uh, the peppermint schnapps and you shake it all up and it's, yeah, it's like a, uh, yeah. Classic. That that did look odd, didn't it? Yeah, there was definitely a one of these is not like the other scenario and you're just trying to piece <laughs> but together. But it made sense. Piece together sense. what was really happening. Oh. Uh, that's all right. Let's get the Seems like the, t- the, the team might have celebrated like you and they were still uh, shaking it off when they, by the yeah, time the yeah. Iowa game started. Yeah. I agree. Uh, All right. 
<laughs> Let's talk basketball. All right, Jerry. All right, here. Get us, get us, grab the wheel. Get us back on the road. We can't. Yeah. Are you playing songs, Coach? Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Thank you, James, and welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Uh, and it is Thursday night, and so we have a sponsor for segment two here, our main segment, brought to you by our sponsor, True Blood Real Estate. Jim True Blood, a longtime friend of mine. Back when I knew him, he was a big Michigan fan. So I, I think he might have changed to Purdue as he got older, but he was a big Michigan fan. So he's probably watching this game right now with a lot of interest as Illinois leads 88-85 in overtime. Uh, but Jim is the founder and owner of True Blood Real Estate, where he's been helping people in Indiana buy and sell properties since 2006. And starting this season, True Blood Real Estate is the exclusive and official real estate partner of IU Athletics with a team of talented agents to serve you in Bloomington and throughout Indiana. If you're looking to buy or sell real estate in Indiana, you need to experience the True Blood Advantage. Go to TrueBloodRE.com to learn more. That's TrueBloodRE.com. And tell them the assembly call sent you. This is actually kind of disorienting, not playing the songs and doing this. I feel like this is what it'll be like if Xavier Johnson comes back and he and Jalen are trying to figure out who's running the show here. Might be a, <laughs> might be a little bit of a transition period. Um, gentlemen, we are now a couple days away from Trace Jackson Davis's final home game at Assembly Hall. Which, you know, we all knew that we would get here, but, you know, it hit me. It was either today or yesterday. You know, I just, and obviously I knew that this was coming, but it was like, oh my goodness, this is his last game. Uh, you know, and for a guy who, you know, came here four years ago, had such a big role from day one, you know, and has just been the centerpiece for this program for four straight years, it's a unique situation. You know, you don't often get a player like this that comes in that is as highly touted as trace that plays from day one that produces from day one you know that has clearly had nba interest and opportunities to go but sticks around for four years like this and so it's a it's a really unique experience um you know and one i think a lot of people have kind of talked about as we as we've gone through this season you know cherish what we're seeing because you don't often see a guy this good play for four years um you know, and so I'm obviously, you know, really interested to see how he approaches this final game. Uh, you know, obviously interested to see how the team approaches it, especially after that Iowa loss. It, it kind of feels like it's one of those things. It's like for a long time, I feel like we kind of took these final two home games for granted. And then you beat Purdue, you lose to Iowa, and it's like, oh, this is real. Okay, we need to come out and actually play these games. Um, and so obviously there's a big win to get. And then... You know, it's always special listening to the senior speeches. I mean, I remember, you know, being a kid, I, you know, the Martha the Mop Lady uh, posted today the senior speeches from 1993, you know, and I shoot, I remember those like they were yesterday. Um, it's a real special moment. And I think for Trace, especially just what he's meant in this kind of awkward tenure of IU basketball that he's been a part of, you know, came in for Archie Miller, 
you know, might have made the tournament his first year if there had been a tournament, but COVID canceled that, and so he didn't. And then you go through the next season where the bottom just falls out at the end of the season. Archie is fired. You know, is Trace going to stay? Is he going to go? He comes in. He listens to Coach Woodson, comes back, and we've really seen his game blossom um, in ways that maybe after his sophomore year we weren't sure uh, were possible. Uh, from a skill standpoint, and then I think this year we've really seen the leadership and the consistency step up and the production just go to another level. Um, you know, and so now, you know, coach, when you have a player like this, you start talking about legacy because Trace is clearly one of the most productive players in Indiana history. That's just a fact. You can't dispute it. Uh, if he scores, I think, 56 more points, uh, he's going to be number three on the all-time scoring list behind only Calvert Chaney and Steve Alford. He's the all-time leading rebounder. He's the all-time leader in block shots. Uh, and he's earned some hardware. You know, he's probably going to be a first-team All-American, almost surely going to be first-team All-Big Ten. Uh, you know, he set all kinds of ridiculous statistical records where it's like, hey, the only people who have done this are Tim Duncan and Shaquille O'Neal. It's like, oh, okay, that's, you know, pretty good company to be in. Uh, you know, he was second-team All-Big Ten as a junior. He was a third-team All-American as a sophomore, third-team All-Big Ten as a freshman. So he's got all of that. All of the stats are there. You know, all of the personal accolades you would want are there. Plus, he's been an incredible representative of Indiana, you know, never getting in trouble. Every time you hear him talk, he's humble. He's accountable in media settings. I don't, I can't recall any example where we've walked away from a, you know, a Trace Jackson Davis comment or something he said and be like, oh, that was weird. It's always been, you know, this is a guy who kind of gets it and he's grown into the role of leader. And now, coach, the question is from a legacy perspective, what kind of team success is he going to have? You know, because there are a few different groups of Indiana basketball players, right? You've got the all-time greats, the guys who have the stats, who have the conference titles, who have the tourney runs. You know, Calvert Chaney obviously never won a national title, but made it to a Final Four, made it to an Elite Eight. Steve Alford, you know, did it all. Isaiah Thomas did it all. Scott May, Kent Benson, Don Schlunt, all of these guys, they did it all. And for Trace to get into their category, their level, he probably needs to make a Final Four. You know, it's, it's Indiana. Um, and so you've got to have, I think, some success at the end in the tournament to do that. He's obviously not going to win a Big Ten title this year. Um, you know, the Big Ten tournament, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, and then you've kind of got that next step down with guys like Quinn Buckner and Ray Tolbert and Bobby Wilkerson and Bob Leonard, who maybe they don't have the crazy stats, but they were just known for winning. And that matters, you know, and they're kind of in their special class. And then you kind of go to that next group of people, right? Guys like Mike Woodson, you know, who have the stats and maybe the conference titles, but didn't have a lot of tourney success. You could put Yogi Ferrell in there, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, Christian Watford. You know, where is Trace going to finish? And so, you know, that's kind of what we're watching for now over the rest of this month, Coach, is, you know, he's got a chance. And obviously his teammates will have a lot to, to say about that. But where does this legacy end up? You know, you look at Steve Alford when he was a senior, and he came into that. I think they finished second in the Big Ten his freshman year and made a regional final. So he had had a few more skins on the wall from a team perspective, but obviously his next two seasons weren't as great. But then they come out as a senior, they go 30-4, and four, win the Big Ten, win a national title. Sometimes this stuff happens as a senior. And so for Trace, now we're going to see, you know, what is his final legacy? But I think what he's done already this year in his senior season is put himself into a conversation that I wasn't sure he could get into. But he's done it because he's reached that next level of productivity. He's lifted this team. He's carried them when they were injured and struggling, uh, you know, to, to heights that maybe we didn't quite think that, that this team could get to. 
Um, and I'm just, you know, I, I find myself entering his final game just really proud of him um, for everything that he's fought through, everything that he's meant to the program over the last four years. And he's just done it in a way that is unimpeachable and that as a fan, you just love watching because he's fought through adversity, he's stuck with it, and he's proven time and again how much being an Indiana Hoosier means to him. Um, and so as much as I'm, you know, cheering for Indiana and cheering for the team and all the reasons that we cheer, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a little extra juice this month wanting it for Trace, you know, because I think he's earned it. Um, and I want to see him have the kind of team success that puts him into some of those rarefied conversations, um, you know, and we'll, we'll see if he can get there. But he's just had a wonderful career um, and we won't know what his legacy is until the last game ends. Um, but I hope it's, it's as, as big and grand as it possibly can be. Yeah. You know, I, I think you said the production, he is going to be one of the best IU players to ever produce on the basketball floor. You, you cannot deny where he is statistically. Uh, and even in the face of a lot of great uh, IU players, uh, I think he's going to be one of the best pro- productive players. But to be a great, you need to combine the production with winning. And I think he, unfortunately, uh, because of coaches and the players around him or whatever, he came in at a time um, where the the winning part of it is not at the level of a blue blood who has won Big Ten champions or gotten to the Final Four or won national championships. And when you're talking about the greatest uh, ever or the top five or whatever like that, there's a lot of winning that uh, it's hard for anybody to crack that level of greatness when we talk about three uh, three banners in the night era, and even before then, uh, you know the two others, and you got some great statistical performances as well. So when you combine that, he is he has been a pleasure to watch. His growth, his leadership, all of those things you said, absolutely, he's going to make him one of the best players to ever wear the Indiana uniform. But you know, putting numbers on it, um, you know, I, I don't know that to me he would be an all time great. Because great equals winning and production combined. Uh, he is great on the production side. On the winning side, uh, come up a little bit short. And, and, and that sounds horrible as we approach his senior day. I, I don't want it to be a negative because you got to appreciate having him for one, two, three, four more games, however we have him, because you, you don't have someone who stays four years who is as productive as he has been and led Indiana back uh, into basically – three tournaments out of four years uh, without the COVID thing. And he'll be a big reason why this program goes forward. And for that, you could add another, you know, uh, part to his, his legacy, but his legacy is going to be a guy who came here for Indiana, played for Indiana uh, and, and really grew individually and helped the program grow. And for that, everyone should see that he's a great Hoosier. Uh, But uh, there's so many, you know, we talked Mount Rushmore a week or two ago, I don't think he's at that level of discussion, even if Indiana makes it to a Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and not because of him, but because of the greatness of Indiana basketball. Um, well, it's a higher mountain yeah. to climb than if you were at a, a, another another place, in my opinion. It is, and and that's where part of it is. You know, he still has time to to write that. You know, so it is incomplete right now. And I think, Andy, it's always difficult to put these things into context, right? Like, look at Alan Henderson, who I think is, you know, probably the closest statistical comparison for Trace in his career. That's the guy that he keeps passing for blocks and for rebounds. You know, when Alan steps on campus as a freshman, 
averages 11 some points, I think seven and a half rebounds, and goes to a Final Four right away on a team that had five or six all-time greats on it when you look at that roster. You know, and by the time Allen is done in 95, you know, he's still on a roster with another guy in Brian Evans who would go on the next season to be Big Ten MVP. Uh, and I think, what did they do that season? They finished third in the Big Ten, and they lost in the first round. You know, and so you look at Trace. Well, what would Trace's career have been like if he had played with other all-time great players? You know, or with an all-time great coach, which he certainly didn't his first couple of years. Um, you know, and so that's where the context can be a little bit different. Is I do agree with Coach that you know when you start getting up into the upper reaches and start you know splitting hairs and separating guys, winning does matter. But you also can't separate winning from the time and roster and coach that a guy played with. Um, and that's what makes this kind of difficult. But at the end of the day, the winning does matter. And I think that's why for Trace, you know, there's a Big Ten tournament coming up that Indiana has never done well in. Can you be the first guy, you know, to win that? And there's an NCAA tournament that, you know, this Indiana team, I mean, we don't always know what to expect from game to game. But if they can make a run there, can that change it? Um, and it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to put those things into perspective sometimes because so much of the team's success is dependent on the people that you play with. And a guy like Alan Henderson was able to come in. I mean, Alan Henderson is one of the all-time best players. I think he's a top 10 player in school history. Love Alan Henderson. But he got to come in and be a supporting player with all-time great players his first couple years. And Trace never had that. He had to come in and basically be the go-to guy and be a leader and be judged as a leader even before he was ready to have that role. And so that's why I just think it's important to be fair to try and put these things into a proper context and understand some of the differences, um, you know, just in the situations the guys came into. Yeah, it's it's odd, as you said. It When I look at it, it, it kind of takes you back a little bit to, a, um, you know, an older time from college basketball when you watch these guys and be able and you're able to watch them over a four year career. And watch that evolution. And I think in a lot of ways today, that's I'm going to sound super old as I you know talk about it this way. But but that's pretty rare to have, as you said, a guy who came in highly regarded, who stuck around and stuck around. I think there's different circumstances each time that made him come back and not um, and not go off for a professional career. And and regardless, I think it's one of the things that you really like about college basketball, not just IU basketball. And certainly we have an affinity for that, but like to be able to watch a guy like him really, you know, obviously he and Yogi are very different players, but it, it reminds me from a career arc standpoint, a little bit of that. And yes, he didn't have the overall success that a Yogi did, but personally to be able to, and you know, watch him develop into more of a leader, um, and diversify the things that he can do, especially this year. You think about how well he's passed the ball. And uh, last year he really added more of the shot blocking uh, with, with more consistency and just, you know, how he's grown. And, and he hasn't grown in the way that says he's stepping out and making threes and doing whatever. Um, but I think he's, he's brought so much, evolved so much, and been such a great representative of IU for four years in a prominent role, um, which is kind of hard to do as a post player. And you mentioned, you know, he was really the go-to guy from day one. That's a really tough thing to do, no matter what year in school you are to be. And we've talked about that, you know, how many times over his career on the show, like it's difficult to win and win consistently when your go-to guy is a post player. And uh, so it's just been a, a joy to, 
to be able to watch him. And it's, it's very hard to put him into any real context. Cause even Alan Henderson, as you said, was, I mean, maybe his senior year, he was more of a go-to guy, but really there were not other points that he was there. And even Damon Bailey was still there when he was, um, you know, in that season, certainly on those teams that we talk so fondly about, um, you know, in the, the early nineties, he wasn't the focal point of those teams. He was an integral part of those teams. Um, and so that's why even comparing Trace to him is a little bit odd, but there's not, there, there's just not a lot of guys like him uh, in that regard. So it's, uh, it's been awesome. And it's, it's, you know, kind of hard to believe it. Like you, it, it feels like the calendar turns to March and it's like the season is almost, is almost over. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like it turns quicker. Maybe that's because I'm feeling the impending uh, bracketology <laughs> selection Sunday <laughs> deadline looming. But um, it definitely feels like as you, you kind of turn the, the calendar, it, it comes up quickly. And uh, for as long as the season has probably felt in certain times for for him and for uh, for fans. But, you know, I, I'll go back to the season, him really like just trying to gut it out and carry this team whenever he could. Um, and that's the part that reminds me a little bit of, of Yogi and the way that he carried that team. Um, his senior season. Dale in the chat says, I've watched IU basketball since the late 60s. Yes, I'm old. And TJD has been one of the most enjoyable players to follow all four years. I have to say, I've been surprised by the amount of people that have emailed me and the people in our community. And we are really blessed in our community to have a lot of fans who have been around, you know, for the 70s and the 60s and the 50s. Like, you know, we have some fans that really or some community members that really have the full breadth of Indiana basketball. You know, whereas Andy, you and I really came of age in the late 80s and early 90s. And we obviously know about all the other teams, but we didn't live through it. You know, Coach was there on campus in 87 and lived through some of those. And I've been surprised by how many people who have been around for a while have been so complimentary of Trace and kind of like Dale said, you know, put him in that list. Again, and, and he says it, the most enjoyable players to follow. And I think that's a really interesting way to phrase it, you know, because he hasn't been one of the most successful players and there's been a lot missing during his time. But I do think that's an interesting way to put it, that he has been an enjoyable player to follow because you've you've been able to watch him grow, you know. And the thing is, I mean, you guys think back to the postgame shows that we had during the Archie Miller era, you know, during those last two seasons. And we would talk a lot about Trace being inconsistent and, you know, well, Trace didn't do this this game. And boy, you really need more leadership from Trace. It's like, hey, he's a freshman and a sophomore. <laughs> like, you know, no one was saying that about Alan Henderson because you had all these other guys to lead. And so, and I don't want to just make it a comparison between those two, but I just think it's a really interesting analog, especially because Alan Henderson's senior year has always kind of been held up as this remarkable statistical achievement, which it was. And Trace's season has actually been better. Not quite the same number of points, but more rebounds, more blocks, more assists. Um, you know, and so, and you talk about Yogi, Andy, and, you know, Yogi, obviously that Big Ten title and that Sweet 16 run as a senior, that was his. You know, he kind of became that fully realized leader and was great, but he also kind of benefited from coming in as a freshman and playing on a team with, again, like four all-time great players, you know, and so I guess I, I say that just, Coach, to try and keep it in perspective, because it is going to be said a lot, boy, Trace just hasn't had the team success, and I agree, and that's why I think... Trace is a top 20 player. He may be a top 15 player, you know, and then I think you really have to start, you know, kind of parsing things from there. But I do think it's important to remember that every guy comes in at a different time. Walt Bellamy was an incredible player and didn't really win a whole lot. 
Now, Bill Murphy will tell you that that one of the teams that Walt Bellamy was on was playing so good by the end of the year, they probably would have won it all, but they didn't make the, the tournament because it was a different time and you had to win the Big Ten. I think they lost to Ohio State maybe on the last day of the season. Um, but it's just I think it's important to keep that in mind. It is a fair uh, comment on Trace's career that he hasn't won. But it's also important to remember that Trace has not had the benefit of playing. Like Jalen Huchifino may in the future go down as one of the all-time talents and may have a great NBA career. He was only here for one year. And outside of that, who has Trace played with that's even a top 75 player in IU history? Is there anybody? You know, and so I think I think that has to enter into the conversation some. Yeah, and it's just, it, I, you know, I don't know if I enjoy discussions like this because you enjoy them. And, and I don't know that he has to be top 15, top 20 to still enjoy him and, and going to miss him and for what he's done for Indiana basketball. But, you know, usage rate, too, when you play 40 minutes, you're going to get a lot more rebounds, you're going to get a lot more shots, and he's had a coach who fed him the ball for four years. If Allen Henderson had someone who fed him the ball and didn't have anyone else around him, would their stats point. be better, too? And I, I'm not trying to take anything away or be the, the negative guy, too. But No, but stats that's the fair are, way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. stats are stats. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis has been a good Indiana Hoosier. Uh, the difference between good to great is winning in, in my book. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he, he took the opportunity he had and made the most of it and grew, and that's what we want from young men who were to Indiana University, and he became a senior leader, and we're going to be a four and five seed. That is a heck of an accomplishment, and a lot of it goes to him, especially the way he's carried this team this year that's going to make him one of the all-time best but man when you start parsing that top 10 top 20 um when we've had three championships in my era with some guys like Quinn Buckner who don't have the stats but I think he's a great player because he led team to an undefeated season and what yep. and, and then you know national championship and Isaiah national championship and, and even role players on on that um I, you know, obviously don't have the stats that TJD does, but, uh, you know, there were, there were some players there that really helped Indiana become what Indiana is. So yep. I, I just, I, it's not, I just can't put him in a top pocket of Indiana basketball players without winning. No, and, and, I agree. But I, I agree. And, that, and that's the difficulty. That's why the legacy discussion of Trace, I think, is, it's a difficult one. It's one we're going to have now because it's his last game. And I think a point that you made earlier is really important. You know, Trace helped get this program kind of back on track, make the NCAA tournament last year, win a game. Hopefully this year we take a step or two, you know, beyond that, maybe more. And that will help, especially if it leads to something more here in the future. Um, you know, and I think, Andy, the other thing that you can say about Trace, and we've talked about this a lot, where I think this year as a senior – he was ready to be the go-to guy, and he's been that guy, and he's been good, and I think this team would have been even better if they had been more healthy throughout the season, but he was finally ready to be a go-to guy. I think Trace, freshman, sophomore, junior, was much more, you know, his game and his mentality was much more well-suited to be a second option or a third guy, and I think the, the great thing that you can say about him, Coach, because you mentioned all these great teams, I think Trace would have fit in well on all of them. Because he's a good athlete, he's a good basketball player who can do things, and he's a team first guy. Um, now we never got the and chance might have to had see stats, that. Might have had stats close too, because the other players would be the pre predominant scout too. Think about that if you had if you had to take away a couple shooters and you had that inside, th then yes, uh, his stats could could have been 
you know, somewhat uh, close. And I mean, and I'm I'm sure Trace would have traded his freshman year stats for an eleven and seven like Allen if it meant he got to go to a Final Four. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So right. it's it, it's the it's the fun and challenging part about you know following a program like Indiana. There's just there's such a rich history, and man, it's hard when you start going up the list. It's hard to bump up, you know, a little bit higher. Um, so I, I just and and to a certain extent. You know, Coach, you may be right that right now, maybe we shouldn't even be having that conversation. And we should just be enjoying what he's doing as a senior, fully indulging his final home game and his senior speech. Because the truth is, I don't know when we're going to see a guy like this again. You know, I mean, Jalen Huchifino is so good as a freshman, but we know we only have him for a limited time. And when's the next time a guy is going to come in and be this good from day one and be here for four years and give us the privilege of watching him grow and develop? Because if he had left after last season... I don't know that Trace leaves a big legacy. You know, there wasn't a lot of winning. We never got to see him kind of fully materialize as a leader. And that's the privilege that he's given us this season is seeing all that come to fruition and finally seeing what kind of player he can be. But that's what happens to seniors in college basketball, you know? So I'm just, I'm really happy we got to see it, Andy. Um, And like I said before, I just hope that there's a lot more winning to come for him. Because I think now he's put himself in a position where I feel like he's earned it. Um, now the team and, and you know and he's responsible for the team and his teammates and everybody has to come up and do it. So saying he earned it doesn't mean anything. They've actually got to go do it. Um, but I feel like he's put himself in a position to where they can do it, and I I really hope to see them do it because um, I I just I want to see him go out a winner. Um, you know whatever that means. I want that to be part of his legacy. Yeah, I I agree with you, and and I, this is. I don't know if this team is is better suited for NCAA tournament play than than maybe some others have been in the past, but I do think this team will benefit a lot from getting out of the Big Ten and, and into the uh, you know and into the NCAA tournament where you're playing somebody different, who it's not just a absolute street fight every game. His fans and some will of that. benefit from and you can, out of I mean, yeah, play. certainly everybody will. As long as Larry Serrato's <laughs> not there, we're all winners. Um, but yeah, I, I think. And I think the way that they can – some of the things they've been able to do from a pick-and-roll standpoint and things like that, I I do think they can give people problems in those kinds of settings. I just think sometimes the Big Ten is just such a, you know, grab, bump, all that stuff as you go through. It just is hard to get that continuity. Now, maybe that will prove to be wrong, and the Big Ten will again underperform in the tournament and all those things, and, and those storylines will will be back out. But I do think as you, as you kind of spin this forward to whatever happens between – you know, Sunday and then the, the Big Ten tournament. Um, I, I do think they profile in some ways as a team that could give people trouble dependent upon the matchups and, and things like that, which is, is is hopeful. And I think that's what you'd want for him. I, I think, you know, you got to see Yogi get rewarded for some of that patience and evolution. And and I think that's ultimately what you're trying to say. You know, his reward was leaving him that Big Ten, Ten title. And it wasn't a reward that uh, – it was, it was something that he earned – and the way that that team played, they earned it. Um, and so I think, you know, you almost want to see something like that, some of those moments as a, as a reward for Trace. Not that he hasn't had a ton of great individual moments and, and wins uh, for this team over the course of the season, but something even a step above and beyond that to, I don't know, validate him or what, whatever you want to say. That's probably too strong a word. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see. And uh, has has been an easy guy to root for. Uh, I guess that's probably how I would leave it all four years. And we talk about, you know, doing and saying the right things. And um, 
you know, and I think you've seen that from him over the course of the time that there were games when his effort wasn't always as consistent as his, as it's been this year. And I think that's part of maturing and, um, and growing up a little bit, but, um, just a guy that had just been a, a joy to, uh, to cheer for and support and, and hopefully, uh, get a lot more games to watch him do it here as we go forward. Well said. Any other final thoughts on Trace? I mean, obviously we'll have a, a more full legacy talk, I think, in the off season, um, because we just don't know enough right now. Um, but uh, and and look, you know, we always uh, for the post game show on the final home game, we always delay it so that everybody can watch the senior speeches. So expect that to happen on Sunday. We won't go live right after the game. Uh, we'll do it sometime after uh, so that we can. Listen to the speeches because I, I mean I, I I really think it's it's one of the most meaningful moments of every season for a fan, you know, is to get those speeches. You know, I like I, I like I feel cheated that we didn't get one from Al Durham. You know, like it, it's just I, I think when you watch a guy for so long, it's such a great way to then you know kind of hear what they have to say. Um, and so I I just think it's so important to focus on those and take those seriously. So we'll uh, we'll do the post game show after that, but. You know, can't wait to hear what Trace has to say. Uh, and I imagine there will be a very long, loving ovation uh, when he takes the mic, as there should be. Because you just, like I said, you don't often get a guy who's here for that long that is that productive uh, and that has just shown time and time again how much being a Hoosier means to him. So any final thoughts, fellas, before we hop into the mailbag? Nope. All right, Coach, cue that theme music. It is time for the mailbag. we got a lot of questions from our community members, and we will answer those next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Shafino! Man, All right. You know, so for if if you care, uh, Osterman has tweeted out what he believes are the scenarios now that Illinois won that game. So he basically oh said boy. provided IU wins Sunday, double by with uh I'm assuming one of Iowa, Maryland, or Northwestern lose. Likely a seed would be four in those scenarios if all three lost and IU won, Hoosiers could get the number two seed. Okay. So Iowa plays Nebraska at home. Maryland plays at Penn State. Northwestern plays at Rutgers. I mean, that Maryland, I think, would be fairly unlikely to win, given that they can't beat anybody on the road. And Penn State's playing for their tournament life. Did you guys talk about Penn State in the uh, Yeah, segment? we touched on it a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, got the Detroit on now against uh, Youngstown State. Antoine Davis has not broken the record yet, but they have been winning. It's tied now with less than two minutes left. So Trivia time. Do you know – okay, so Antoine Davis, I think, has averaged like 24, 25 shots a game in his career. Do you know how many shots per game Pistol Pete averaged in his three seasons? Wasn't it in the 40s? It was in the low 40s, I believe. I want to say like 42. Well, I, saw, I saw 38.1. Okay. I think Brendan Quinn tweeted that. It okay. might have been. Maybe it was higher for one season. I had low 40s in my head for some reason. Somewhere Bracey Wright is like, damn it. (laughs) 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 Although, I mean, Bracey Wright basically got the Antoine Davis treatment, really. Yeah, he did. The extreme with the sun at (laughs) Detroit. But 
you know, man, Yogi is an interesting one too, because you know, Yogi's freshman year, obviously they win the Big Ten with you know Victor and Cody and Christian and Jordan and all those guys, and then you know Yogi senior year, obviously he was the catalyst and became just a terrific player, but you know, and no one's putting Troy Williams in a top seventy-five or top one hundred. But, you know, and really probably no one's putting Thomas Bryant there. But given how good he was as a freshman and then OG, I mean, his defense down the stretch that season, I mean, you would probably say OG is maybe one of the top 25 talents in IU basketball history. Certainly not productive. Didn't have that kind of career. But, you know, Yogi, I think even Yogi benefited, I think, from having better guys around him than Trace has had. And that's, you know, that, that's just the reality of, of Trace's time. And everybody comes to Indiana and has their own circumstance. Um, but I do, there is a part of me that would have liked to see Trace be able to play a role each season that was kind of more befitting his actual uh, development and maturity level um, and have some better guys around him and just to see what, you know, what would have happened. He might not have quite the same numbers, but he'd certainly have more wins. So... Anyway, I, I just I like those conversations because it's fun thinking about the old guys and how many great players we've had. You know? That's the thing. My goodness. I mean, <laughs> I you start listing them out. You're like, OK, slow down on the top 10 talk here. Do you realize how many good players we've had? Yeah, <laughs> but I think you phrased it really well, Jared. He's one of the best and most productive Indiana Hoosiers ever. You can put him in a top 10 productive Hoosiers because he's on the top of a lot of lists can't argue like, that one you yeah. cannot argue that and that makes him a, a you know the, and then the semantics great versus you know yeah like where where's george mcginnis in your list of the all-time great players yeah, i mean he's one of the I mean, five best players ever but he was here for one season and indiana didn't right. win anything so yeah that that's what always makes those conversations kind of difficult so yeah there's right. there's a boatload <laughs> <laughs> You know, heck, will she? He flexing at Mackey's got to have him up on the list of all time great Hoosiers. <laughs> Just for that, the the Pritchard slam. I mean, how about all time great <laughs> moments, right? Like. <laughs> We could do a show definitely up there. <laughs> we could just do a show like, okay, name your moment. Well, I remember this. You know, Ryan uh, would just say the what Killingsworth dunk nine times in a row or whatever. He's a he's a one trick pony, Phillips. Yeah, <laughs> that's his that's his moment. What you guys don't understand is he was on press row and he couldn't hear the person next to him. He was talking to. I don't know if you <laughs> really <laughs> seriously. You guys, that's what you guys don't understand about it. I, I feel like. Can we get here, some basketball, here. please? <laughs> oh, fine. Time uh, has proven me right on virtually nothing. <laughs> What's he doing tonight? He's at like a high school basketball game or something. I'm I like avoiding hail and storms, and I'm here. He's, he's getting honored high for the sweet, game. sweet jump shot by his old for high school his, coach. For his sweet baseline jumper that he has. That's right. <laughs> where, where, I think I have a, I think I have a whole set of. Oh yeah, here we go. I had a lethal jumper. I was lethal from the baseline jumper. <laughs> I'm six three, decently athletic. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot I had all those. <laughs> Bruce Pearl, very nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I have 
I have 16 pages of Ryan sound bites that we oh, just geez. we don't really get into these, but there's really some funny ones in here. You know, there's an off season segment too. <laughs> but just you know, <laughs> sound bites of the assembly call. Gosh. Yeah, pick out the... ten on a show and just sit oh, there and God. just like totally discuss the yeah <laughs> discuss the backstories. See on if, them. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, I won't say that this is this is definitely not my own idea, but I love the Around the NFL podcast and they keep talking about with uh, one of the guys on there with uh, with Mark. They they have all these clips and so they're basically their aim is to at some point be able to act like he's there when he's not really there and just interject. <laughs> we can uh, kind of do that with Ryan interject clips of him. So, I mean, that's something we could also aspire to, I would say if we had somebody who was just on Ryan sound bites, I think we could do it. I yeah. think we, could. I can't believe we have this one. God, we should have hired Alford. <laughs> have you ever paid attention to basketball in your life? Being a parent's super important. I got like a whole page of him downgrading the importance of parenting, which is, you know, certainly an odd choice, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> odd, odd choice for him saying it, or odd choice for Jared clipping a whole page of parenting advice from Ryan Phillips. Oh no, no, his is not advice. Oh, okay. There is. <laughs> I'm a little concerned at the amount of time that Jared has spent listening to listening back to Ryan in order to compile Dude. this encyclopedia of, uh, of things. It's got to hurt were, his mental stability <laughs> to listen to. All there were that a couple the years there. There were a couple years there where after every show, I would go through and kind of listen to it again and pull out the drops. I can't do that anymore. This yeah, was pre. This was pre children. <laughs> There's so many so many things you have time for before you have kids. <laughs> kids come and I'm like, oh, yeah. What, what needs to be cut out of my schedule? Oh yeah, reviewing every episode of the Assembly Call and pulling out sound bites. Yeah, let me get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like an orange on a toothpick. <laughs> oh gosh. I think the key stretch was the one where Indiana just didn't score for like 12 minutes. Always. Unfortunately, that one's been relevant for many seasons. Okay, I guess we should let's jump into. Boy, I wonder uh, wonder what coach that could have been under. (laughs) (laughs) Eight years, never hosted. Twelve now. Twelve years. All right. Uh, right. I think Harms is largely a stiff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, it's an off season show. (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay, so wait. So I do want to play this one really quick. This one, this was a really funny moment where Ryan didn't know that if we were still is, on the air. Yeah, right? Andy, you remember this? I know exactly when you started playing this. I remember this. Ex- I remember this exactly. On the, well, I didn't this, know you were still on. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're still on. Yeah, we're still on YouTube. On That's, YouTube. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. We didn't say anything bad. Um, no, 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 Andy's you scoffing at how you still don't understand how the show works. No, like, I thought we were. Ago, all, we had this I exact thought, conversation. I thought we were off, and it was just three of us talking. No, this is still on YouTube. Oh. Hi, guys. Jared, Jared, can you? Why don't you pull up the sound drop from not very long ago when when we made this same revelation? <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to the mailbag. It's time. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. 
Go Hoosers. All righty. Thank you very much, Romeo, Indiana's best freshman since. Shafino! That's right. <laughs> it is segment three here on the Assembly Call. A very giggly episode of the Assembly Call here. Much needed. Uh, as we, as, <laughs> yeah, much much needed. I should have done this on Tuesday. Just, yeah, really. Like huge missed opportunity. <laughs> Would have been a better show for everybody on Tuesday if it was like this. Hey guys, we're just uh, going to play Greatest Hits tonight instead of talking about this stupid game. It's gonna, just going to roll through Ryan's sound bites for you. Uh, uh, I'm Jared Morris. Actually, played two hours of Ryan's sound bites. Yeah. You can cobble and, back together the last twelve years of the show, and still nothing makes sense after two hours. Nope, still it doesn't. <laughs> Uh, well, you heard him. I'm here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. Uh, and we just spent some time talking about Trace Jackson Davis's legacy. And now we're going to jump into the mailbag. All these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. Guys, let's jump into these. So the first one is from Michael. He says, some have said that IU is a team that either goes to the final four or loses in the first round. Do you subscribe to this idea? Which do you think is more likely if X returns? Andy, why don't you lead us off here? Uh, I don't know that I would go so far as to say those are the, the, I mean, those are certainly two extremes. I don't know if those are the two extremes. Um, I, I think the X part, the X component of it is difficult, right? Like we, we talked about this a little bit last week and now we're a couple more games into it and he hasn't come back yet. Uh, I think it's really difficult to integrate, reintegrate somebody, even as crucial as he was to this team early on. It's a really odd time to try to figure out how to how to use him and get him back in in the uh, in the lineup in some form or fashion. I think the only way you can really do it is to you know bring him off the bench. Hopefully, he can give you a spark here and there. Ideally, not put a ton of mileage on him given the injury as you go forward, and um, and so. Um, It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what they do with him if he comes back at all. So that is a pretty big variable. I think if he comes back and can provide something, matchup, you know, dependent upon the matchups and things like that. I mean, I feel, I feel like this team can get out of the first round. There's some decent mid-major teams out there that they might play as a four or a five seed, but I do think they benefit a great deal from not playing Big Ten teams, um, you know, the way that it is now. Given IU's propensity to foul. Uh, even by the uh, somewhat loosely interpreted uh, rules in the Big Ten, that might become problematic in a uh, you know in a in a tournament setting. But uh, I guess of those two options, I think if they can get anything out of X and get a couple games under his belt before they get to that point, I, I guess I will take the optimistic route and say the potential Final Four run is more likely than bowing out uh, that early in the first round, which is also a difficult thing to say after the way they played on Tuesday night. Yes. Uh, so I have a couple things to say on this one, Coach, and I didn't get a chance to send you guys this yet. What I will say is I did receive a piece of information tonight that for the first time has made me question whether X is coming back. I'm not reporting anything. Uh, I'm just saying that for the first time ever, I'm kind of wondering if it's actually going to happen. Now, we'll see. That may mean nothing, and he may play Sunday. Uh, but for the first time, I'm kind of wondering if it's going to happen. And obviously, the longer it goes without him playing, it would be naturally, uh, you know, it would be natural to wonder. Uh, so that's one thing. I mean, I think, you know, it's probably for the best to just assume that we have the team that we have right now and let's see. And if X comes back, it's a bonus. I certainly hope he does, obviously. Um, but it's interesting, you know, it, it's because I have heard that, oh, this team could lose in the first round or go to the final four. The problem is, you know, 
when I look at it, I actually I kind of have a hard time seeing this team losing in the first round because I think this team has played, you know, the kind of teams that they're likely to play in the first round as a four or a five seed. I think they've done pretty well against, and so I think they'll do well in that game. Um, and certainly, I think when people say they can go to the Final Four, really what they mean is this IU team can beat anybody when they're playing well, and I firmly believe that. I do have a hard time seeing this team being consistent enough to win four games in a row, though. So that's the thing. I could see this team. I could envision this team in a Final Four because I think they're good enough to compete with anybody. They could also lose by 15, which is what they've done in seven of their losses this year. But I think the problem that I have with this team right now, and I think it's fair given the win-loss, win-loss, win-loss they've had over the last six games, is it's, I just we haven't seen the consistency yet. Now, maybe that comes and maybe they go on a run of the Big Ten tournament and go on a run in the NCAA tournament and we look back and it's like, oh boy, that was weird how they lost that Iowa game. Um, But just based on the evidence that we have right now, I think the most likely outcome is win the first round and it kind of depends on the matchup in the second round Um, because I certainly think this team could make a Sweet 16, but I won't be shocked if this team wins in the first round and then loses in the second round just because... Jalen's off or the bench guys are off or whatever reason because that the thing that we've learned about this team coach is they do kind of have a pretty narrow path to victory and they've been able to do it a lot because Trace is so damn good and Jalen sometimes is transcendent but gosh that's a hard way to win game after game after game in a row when you don't have any at home yeah and once you get to the second round you're talking about if you're a four seed you're playing a top 20 team uh, with talent and the ability to score and defend. Uh, but I think the premise of, of the question it, it perfectly fits this Indiana team, that they are inconsistent. Uh, when they're good, they're capable of going into a one seed in a hostile environment in West Lafayette and winning and winning in a, a great fashion. And then they're also capable of coming home in a comfortable environment and losing by 22 to a team that can't play on the road. So until they can find that consistency, uh, then you you don't know and, and you can't predict. I, I do not believe this team is a Final Four team, but I do believe they can be a Sweet 16 team and win a game uh, in that Sweet 16. Uh, and so I, I don't – you know, if they're a four seed, I feel a little bit better. The five twelve matchup sometimes always there's always an upset or, or something there. But I agree with you. I think Indiana with their post and their uh with Hood Shafino will give some teams some fits on how they're gonna guard. I, I think Indiana's offense takes a step up against those types of, of teams. It's just that next round. Uh so I, I think the premise is is a, a good thing because it brings out the the inconsistency in, in Indiana, and I think that's just reality. Yeah, which really goes along with Tim's question. He said, considering the two different IU teams we saw within a four-day span, is that behind us, or is it a concern that this team could copy that in the NCAA tournament? I really want to say that is behind us, but curious about your thoughts. I mean, Andy, it's not behind us until it's behind us. So, you know, you beat Michigan, you win the Big Ten tournament. It's like, oh, we won four games in a row. Maybe that is behind us. But like right now, it's literally the last thing that they did. So I don't think there's any way based on the evidence to say it's behind us. And, and again, and you've seen teams be really up and down in February and then get hot in March and go on a tournament run people didn't expect. Iowa last year was red hot and then lost in the first round. So these things don't always follow the pattern that you think. But, I mean, you agree, right? I mean, based on the evidence, it's really hard to just say that's behind us. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit before – even you got on. I mean, the the common 
theme that we've had in most of the losses is coming on here and saying, you know, it's not that they lost, it's how they lost. And yeah. and I don't think if that's not out of you by this point of the season, I'm not sure what all of a sudden is so magical about this particular loss that now you just purge that from the realm of possibility altogether. So doesn't mean that they can't go on a run, but I also think it's why people have, you know, given recent history and things like that, kept them a little bit at arm's length and, and struggled to really get confident of, eh, this will be fine every time a game gets off to a slow start. And I think people were starting um, to feel that way going into the uh, the Iowa game. This is not directed at you. I feel like you think I'm talking directly to you. Because <laughs> I kept texting you like, guys, we're going to be fine. We got this. This is this. not, this is not like an intervention. Middle scenario. of a second half, I'm like, yeah. okay, I think I'm officially worried now. <laughs> uh, you're a little bit ahead of the curve on the positivity scale, so I feel like you were getting there maybe earlier than other people, so that's fair. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think in general when you when you <laughs> when you when you look at that, it, it's those kinds of things, both within this season and in recent seasons that have, you know, I think it's going to take a while before people really feel like that's totally out of, out of the team system, if you will. And so I don't think it's probably reasonable to expect that that couldn't happen this year. Um, so that's my two cents at least. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, look at the losses, you know, they've lost, was it 10 games so far, seven of them by 11 points or more. I mean, coach at this point, it's a feature, not a bug in the sense that this is just part of how we play. You know, we're built around two star players who take inefficient shots. And so they have to be awesome or have a lot of three-point shooting around them to make that work, all while playing really good defense without, you know, with your best defensive player injured and on the sidelines. So, like, it, it, you know, I think it's, it's fair to kind of, you know, criticize and be disappointed in it, but that's, it might also be that that was the way to maximize this roster and get the most out of it. You know, the, sure. I think those two things could actually be true. Um, you know, so it's not necessarily a criticism. It's just this is the reality of how this roster has to win games. And sometimes when it's bad, it's really bad. But when it's good, it can be really good. And that's the thing. This team can beat anybody. Um, but they could lose to 20. <laughs> you know, I, I guess think, any good um, team, they can lose by 20. The thing that uh, I have focused on this week is the defense uh, has been extremely disappointing. They're now 49th or something in Ken Palm defense, which if we end the season that way is the worst defensive uh, Ken Palm rating since Archie's first year. Uh, that's not something I thought would happen under Coach Woodson. And, and that's probably because X has been out, Race had been out a little bit too. But you've seen both the offensive efficiency numbers and the uh, defensive efficiency numbers fall in the last five or six games. And that is a concern to me is it's not behind. Um, you know, uh, still optimistic that – Last year, they found it in, in two and a half games. Uh, they won a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, lost on a, a banked-in, you know, heave from an you know, 18-year senior. Um, you know, so uh, I, I think there's a chance. I'm not giving up hope that they can't string three or four games together because I do think they got two outstanding players and the ability to guard. Uh, it's not like the cupboard is bare. It just um, – it, it, there are some um, stats and some signs that lead to – I don't know if we can win three or four games in a Big Ten tournament if needed. I don't know that we can win four to get to the, the final four. Uh, 
that hasn't been shown yet. And when when Indiana had that five game winning streak, they got some benefits of who they played and when they played too. You know that happens. But you know, um, I, I said in the opening, you weren't here. I'm really happy with this team because it hasn't been complete since the North Carolina game. You know, mm-hmm. Hood Shafina was out at Kansas, and then uh, you, uh, you know X goes down. And we don't have him for the whole year. And then race goes down. And when he's come back, he hasn't been. And we're a four or five seed. But it's pretty good. You know, we we are a four or five seed because we're not complete and we're not the defensive team we thought we'd be, and probably not the offensive team we thought we'd be. And so that, you know, to sit here and say we're a definite Final Four team, that to me, I wish we can be, and I will hold out hope and root like hell. But uh, for me, man, that Sweet Sixteen is if we get a Sweet Sixteen with all that stuff happening. I think that's a pretty solid year for Coach Woodson and the staff and the players, given uh, the roster construction and the injuries. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Coach, this next question is for you. Uh, This is from Jared, not me, but Jared from our community. This is for Coach. Does he think Coach Shrewsbury leaves for the Notre Dame job if it is offered or stays at Happy Valley? And if he does leave, will you leave the assembly call and start a Notre Dame postgame show? Uh, Yes, he goes. Yeah, yes, he goes to Notre Dame. No, I I have signed a lifetime contract. Uh, That's right. Here with the uh, the assembly call. And, Is that like Coach Cal's lifetime contract though? That you know, one yeah. bad season and people in the chat mob are going to be asking you to go to Texas. Yeah, um, <laughs> take <laughs> probably. <laughs> no, I, I mean it's going to be hard to win consistently at Penn State just given the tradition and the football and all of that I think it's a great spot to get started and show that you can run a program and you know if they win a couple more games they could be in the NCAA tournament I mean Penn State in the NCAA tournament that's a heck of an accomplishment for a coach and I think his pedigree of working with Brad Stevens being in the NBA uh, working you know with Painter at Purdue getting to the ACC another big time league at a place where winning has happened uh, at Notre Dame and I think the draw of, of recruiting is is a lot better than at Penn State. So who else? Um, Porter Mosier was uh, also interested in that. And I think I think those are the two candidates that I've heard have mutual interest both ways. And I think both yeah, I don't of buy them would the, be – I don't buy Fran McCaffrey. He's the other name being mentioned. He might leverage it for a contract extension, but I can't – I don't buy Fran McCaffrey to Notre Dame personally. He's got his son coming. He's recruited well. I'm not buying it. Yeah, I don't like Fran. <laughs> I will say I watched I watched a decent amount of that Northwestern Penn State game. I mean, Shrewsbury gets a lot out of what he's got. Yeah, uh, yes. It isn't always pretty. Some of the Jalen Pickett backing somebody down for 12 seconds to do whatever, but they move the ball well. Their spacing is good. They definitely use the three-point shot to their uh, to their advantage to try to offset some of the deficiencies that they have. Like, they – yeah, put some real dudes in that system. Oh, boy. Well, and there's a window in it. The ACC's been down for two years. Like, you're not going in and competing against uh, teams. Like, Big Ten was down this year and still solid. You know, yeah. uh, that's – you know, someone said Porter uh, Moser's not interested. But if I were Porter, you're going to the SEC – that's got some established coaches and programs. Like the ACC is a struggle. Your top programs have new coaches, and they're 50-50, whether that's going to work out. You just got Tony Bennett. You're talking about Oklahoma going to the SEC, where Porter yes. Moser is right now. Yes. Yeah. Like, Notre Dame, to me, is an attractive job. Um 
to try to get in and get in that upper echelon of, of the ACC when the ACC is down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would probably go to a few more games in South Bend than I have in the past. Um, but no, no, no podcast. <laughs> Once the restraining order, Jay, started, you Jay Horry, <laughs> the world's best amateur bracketologist, Jay Horry. Um, okay. From Joey, Andy, I'm going to throw this question to you. Since it's pretty clear the selection committee doesn't put that much weight on conference tournament performance, I'm not really worried even if IU loses in the quarterfinals on Friday of the Big Ten tournament. Spoken like a true Indiana fan, already preparing for failure in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, we appreciate you. You can't Joey. you can't hurt me. I'm already dead inside, <laughs> right. so it's fine. Right. We we weren't planning on winning anyway. <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to win anyway. What do you think about that? We need rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With that in mind, which of these scenarios would you prefer? <laughs> One, IU gets a double bye. Or two, IU gets the five or six seed, plays a weaker opponent on Thursday, and continues to play. Uh, so now he's assuming a win, which now we're, now we're getting a little out over our skis here, Joey. I almost think I prefer the second scenario. We get another win under our belts. We get another game for Xavier Johnson to get reacquainted with the rotations, etc. Uh, you know, I think the interesting part of that is the Xavier Johnson piece. I, I do think in some ways there's value in playing another game to get him a few more reps if he's able to come back. I'd say in the absence of that, I don't, I don't really know that it does a lot for you. Whoever you lose to, I, whoever you beat in the, you know, the five twelve or the six eleven game is not, well, I guess, I guess if you look at where Ohio State is in the net, maybe being them on a neutral court could help you. But generally speaking, Ohio State winning that game adds one to your win total potentially, but doesn't really do a whole lot from a tournament perspective. So you're you're wanting to win that game really based solely on the premise that that Xavier Johnson is back and you're trying to get him some time. So, which there's probably some validity to if that's the case. I, I'd almost rather get the double bye, which means that you won on Sunday and then some other things fell your way. And in that game, you're going to end up playing the, even if you're the four seed, you end up losing to the five seed. You're not going to lose to anybody in that scenario. That's really going to hurt you. And if your belief is that rest is important and that's what you want to be able to get, I'd almost take the first scenario over the second. Yeah. I think we overcomplicate this conversation, win games and see what happens. So you get win and get the double buy, and then let's just go from there. I don't, I, I, I think we overthink it when we start thinking about would we rather you know play again? And I get kind of the thought process there, especially with Xavier Johnson. Can you bring him back? So I don't want to belittle that, but I think I think we just need to simplify it. Let's get the best seed we can, and let's win as many games as we can. Whatever else you can do within that construct, great. But I would not want to take a step down in seeding or play an extra game or you know lose to rest. Just go play and win as many games as you can. That's what I think. As Herm Edwards told us. There you go. Play to win the game. Um, Let's see here. Oh, from Richard. He said, if Indiana beats Michigan and gets a four seed for the NCAA tournament, is it, oh, this is a good question. Is this regular season a success uh, based on what was expected or a letdown? And coach, you kind of covered this earlier, but I'm curious what you think. Um, do we have to win? If we get a four seed, do we have to win for it to be considered a success? Or does just getting there kind of make it a success? 
Because he just I, said he's the regular season a success. I think it's a success given the fact of the roster being just torn apart by injuries. It is not a success compared to where we thought we were going to be, which was Big Ten Championship and a full roster. I think we could have been better. Um, but I, I just think despite maybe not liking the offense or the defense or this or coaching substitutions, all of those types of things, um, honestly, if we did a show and said you're going to lose X for the year you know, and, and you're a four seed, we, we would have taken that. Um and, and run with it. So yeah. I, I think, you know, um, I, I think this season has been a success um, because of those things. I, I, we've lost three starters for significant amounts of time. Uh, I know Creighton has, and I know other teams have as well, but, you know, you don't work all off season to think about, okay, we're going to lose, you know, three guys and so yeah it's a success getting a four and five seed you're a top 25 team in the ncaa college basketball it's a success like if you expect that it's only a success if you're a top four or five team man you you got some it's just tough i mean i i I hate to be in in your shoes where you got to be the greatest or you're not not successful i mean i think that's a little immature to be honest um now expectations Indiana needs to be up there. Absolutely. There's a difference between expectations and evaluating what happened this year. We want to win. We want to get banners. Those are the expectations. We're not going to rest until we achieve them. But to say it's a, the opposite of success is a failure, uh, no way. This this team is successful this year. Um, so, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think when you put the injury piece into it, and I think sometimes we – forget that a little bit just because it's been so long since they've been at, at full strength to that point. Um, and we've had to get used to life without Xavier Johnson. And one of the strengths that you thought this team would have in terms of really having two strong lead guard options that could play together or, or um, spell one another, you haven't had that for you know two thirds of the season at this point. So it, it's easy to lose sight of that. I think from a seating perspective, I'm trying to remember back to what I would have projected before the season. And I think there was a lot of question about how, you know, that the big 10 would be kind of a slog and be pretty balanced, tough, but balanced, nobody elite Purdue's kind of, um, you know, bucked that belief by being rated as highly as they are. But otherwise you look, you got more than half the conference with eight losses with one game left to play. It's been kind of what you thought it would be, and one of the, and I think probably the highest Big Ten seed that I had was maybe a three or a four. So if you look at it from a seeding perspective, a four feels pretty good, um, given the circumstances. But I think you look at the overall record and uh, more of the highs and lows, and the the really high highs and the really low lows, and I think it, it it can make you feel like it's worse than it was. But if you take a step back and look at the whole body of work, I think it's not what you would have expected them to accomplish at the beginning of the season, but I don't know what you would have expected if you knew how the roster was going to play out. And I think the depth has proven to not be as much of a strength as we thought it would be heading into the season for maybe different reasons. Maybe the injuries have played a role in that as well. So it's a little bit hard. I think if everybody had been healthy, and this is what you accomplished, and you lost that many games in the Big Ten when you look at it, I think it'd be easier to sit back and say it feels disappointing. I just struggle with that a little bit given given the circumstances. And, and quite honestly, 
maybe I'm giving too much credit for the really bad start to the Big Ten and the way that they responded in that scenario, perhaps because IU teams of recent vintages have done nothing of the sort uh, to really pick themselves up off the floor and play well for an extended period of time. Yeah. Indiana won the Big Ten and was a five seed in 2016. Yep. You know, uh, we have a depleted roster with injuries up and down and and likely to be a four seed. Um, Again, it goes back to your definition of success and expectations. I think those are two different things. And, you know, um, you know, we get so anchored to preseason predictions, which are so yeah. hard to make anyway. And then it's like everything is judged against that. But was that prediction right? Was it wrong? And the predictions don't take into account all the other things that can happen through a season. You know, so X getting hurt, all the injuries that we've had. I mean, just, you know, look at it. You know, we've talked about the unbalanced schedule. And I don't say it because it changes the records. It doesn't. But would you feel better about this team if we... You know, instead of playing at Iowa and at Maryland, you know, we had played Minnesota and Ohio State and won those two games, right? Would we be that much better of a team? Our record would be two games better, you know, but we wouldn't be different. And so I think, you know, the fact that we navigated the toughest schedule in the Big Ten with all of these injuries and, you know, again, let's let's beat Michigan and actually finish the season off strong, um, you know, before we make final judgments here. But, yeah, I agree. I think this team has navigated it pretty darn well with a roster that is better than the rosters that we've had in the past, but still, you know, has its holes, has its issues. Um, so anyway, yes, uh, let's get to Valerie's question. We'll just do a couple more here and then we'll go. So Valerie says we are continually plagued by injuries. Is this bad luck or do we have to look at coach Marshall? We had problems when he was a coach under Archie too. I just don't have any other answers. Marshall was insistent on getting that sand pit. My brother blames it for a lot of our injuries. This is a tough one. I'm not sure that any of the three of us are qualified enough to give a great answer on this. Um, you know, and I think when you look at the injuries, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, Trace Jacks, you know, Trace faced a back issue. What was the cause of that? I don't really know. You know, Jalen had a back issue dating back into high school that plagued him some this year. Um, you know, X's injury just seemed like a freak injury that happened, you know, in the Kansas game. I think that was necessarily caused by how he's been training. Same thing with race. Like when someone rolls up on you, I'm not sure there's a lot of training that you can do to prevent that. So I don't know. I mean, I I think it's fair if over and over again, you kind of see these issues, you wonder, but you know, I would also have to look at other teams Um, and maybe you guys have a better sense of this. Do you think Indiana has dealt with more injuries over the past six, seven, eight years than other teams? I mean, when you guys are looking out there at bracketology, I don't know. I don't, I don't pay attention to other teams that much. As much as you guys, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think the ones that really get attention from a bracketology standpoint are really high-end players. That, that not a lot of attention is paid to, uh, you know, guys who aren't the stars. So, like, a, using Race Thompson this year as the example, like, that's not the kind of one that would probably move the needle one way or the other uh, it, for free in terms of bracketology. You know, the one that gets talked about this year a lot is the, the Kalkbrenner guy at at Creighton and he's their best player. And um, I think a little bit easier to draw the line between uh, him being there and not, I mean, even Villanova playing well lately, Justin Moore comes back. They've been way, way better uh, with him. Now his is different because he missed the first, 
man, or close to 20 games of the season. So your sample size of what they look like with him is a little bit different. But, um, you know, I think those are the kinds of ones when it's a star players who really matter. So I don't know that I have maybe as good a frame of reference as, as you might think that I would. Um, but, yeah, I think looking certainly at the ones this year, you know, the only one that we really don't have a lot of information about the root cause of is is traces. But the, the race and Xavier Johnson ones are just kind of unlucky plays that happen in the course of the game and you get rolled up and you see that some of the NFL, I think there's NFL teams that would say, Hey, this is a result of what we're doing. I think the Eagles are one that would, would, would say that a lot, quite honestly, that I follow. They, they haven't missed a ton of games due to injury over the last couple of years. Is that really something that you're, you're doing differently? It might be. And, and maybe football is different in that regard where you have a little bit more say over the kinds of drills that you're doing and how much contact you have and what stretching you're doing and whatever. I, I don't know. I don't look at the ones this year and say they were preventable. Like I said, traces is really the only one we don't have great insight into, but you also look at him out there getting beat up night in night out. Um, probably, you know, 25 plays a game where you might be able to hurt your back and, yeah. and, and, and that. So I, I don't really know it. It's uh I'm sure that's something that they're looking at. I think you'd have to 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 um, to see it that way. I, I think you'd be foolish not to see if there's something different that you could be doing. But at least for this year, I find it a little bit hard to connect the dots on that. Yeah, it seems like due diligence. Like if I was Scott Dolson, I would probably try and find someone I trust just to review the things that we're doing and see if an outside opinion says, oh, boy, the latest science suggests that that's not a good thing to do. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, you know, Cliff, I mean, Cliff Marshall, boy, you talk to players, you talk to their parents, they love Cliff Marshall and everything that he's meant to the program and what he does, not just helping these guys from a physical standpoint, but from a mental and an emotional standpoint is a really in- integral part um, of what's happening. So again, it's, you know, we're not going to come on here and criticize him because we're not qualified to do so. And I just, like you said, Andy, I don't think that any of the injuries that we've seen, especially this year or recently, you know, they don't seem like ones that you would trace back to to that kind of thing. So, again, and you fair don't know. to question it. I get yeah. the question, but. <clears throat> Agree. You, you don't know, too. Sometimes uh, you overwork kids as coaches, you know, with, with, you know, long practices or back-to-back practices. Or if you have a bad performance, you put them on the end line. And, you know, we, we stopped doing rebounding drills at the high school level because we didn't want a kid to break his nose and be out you know, or get a concussion and be out for two weeks. And we question, how do we get them to be tough without doing, you know, the old put the ball in the middle of the free throw lane in a circle and dive for it type stuff that you used to do. Um, but sometimes it could be, it's not anything to do with the training. It's maybe the coach or maybe the consecutive days. That's why they have hours, of, you know, limits. And, um, you know, I, I think us older people sometimes question all the new training and then a lot more injuries, you know, like I never pulled a hamstring. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, we would if we got up from our chairs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? So, but we're not high level athletes, but yeah, I, I don't know the Andy's spot on with the fact that there's been two in game injuries, a, a broken foot landing a certain way. I don't know that that's because of a training and then someone, you know, rolling into the back of, uh, races, you know, knees. I, and then the other stuff is you're you're just playing a physical game these days. Um, that that you're bound to get some. Tennessee's dealt with a lot of injuries, and they just lost yeah. their, their point guard. But uh, you know, I follow that program because of the Tyreek Key, young man from Indiana State, and 
he sat out senior night with the bum ankle, and they just got a couple guys back. So when we watch Indiana and see this guy in a boot and that, we, we think it's a, a heavy amount. I think if we actually analyzed college basketball on a whole, we see that a lot of these things are happening across the board. I mean, objectively, there was a tweet that went out today. I don't remember if the data was from CBB Analytics or EvanMia.com. It was one of those. I mean, we are objectively on the high end of games missed by rotation players to injury this year. So, right. you know, we are. There's been an issue this year, but tough to draw the root cause. By the way, Coach, you know how I, how I always used to know that Coach Wood was pissed off? Because he would get in our box-out drills, and he would get in them himself, and he yeah. would shoot at some terrible shot and just completely foul everybody, going over the back, shoving people yeah. in the back, go yeah. for the rebounds. Those days are over <laughs> for yeah. many reasons. I don't, I don't know if you can do that anymore. No, I don't, I don't think you can. I, Pretty sure I caught the wrong end of that a couple of times. <laughs> I, I think it's funny. I, I saw the same graphic that you did, Jared. I think it was the I think it was Evan Mia, and it was basically a plot of games missed due to injury against the either rating in his system or whatever. And IU yeah. was really one of the ones. I think Baylor was up there too yeah. that had really succeeded in spite of missing a lot of games and was rated really well in spite of missing a lot of games. I think that you know to go back to some of the other conversations that we just had. It's one way to look at it, right? It's not the perfect way, but it does speak to what they've been able to accomplish in spite of things, you know, not being the way that you would have expected them to at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, if you're not willing to put that into context, and it's just like, well, boy, this team was predicted to win the Big Ten, and they're the fifth seed. Like, you're just a jackass. Seriously, I mean, like you have to. Well, or an idiot. I mean, you have to take those things into account. You know. So I'm I'm just saying because you're going to hear some of that type of stuff like I and I well anyway we'll we'll save that for an off season show but <laughs> it's just you you have to take that stuff into account you know I get we all want to have like the standard is the standard and that's true but I think Indiana has for the most part like what did we want you know we wanted this team to be competing for a Big Ten title coming down the stretch and the truth is coming into that Iowa game they were. You know, you win your last two games, Purdue loses their last two games, you put yourself in a position to tie for the Big Ten championship. It wasn't exactly what we wanted, but take into account the schedule, take into account the injuries. Like, if you can't look at that and say, okay, this isn't exactly what we wanted, but it was pretty good. You know, like, I just, I think you're being unfair, um, and you're probably a joyless person. So, that's my... Just <laughs> Andy, are are you right, well, or am I cutting all these clips of Jared for his off season? I don't. I don't know if you or I have time for that in the in the coming. Uh, you know, yeah, not not something. in the next two. Really, weeks. I'm just. But, but maybe. Like, but maybe later. Just giving you a preview of the off season debates between me and Ryan on this topic because I feel like you know I feel like Ryan kind of said that before the Iowa game. You know, where it's just like, hey, this team was predicted to be here. And I get, you know, you can't lose a game like that at home. That performance was terrible. But, you know, let's, we got to take into account the context of the full season. We'll debate that later. I'm trying, and and I don't want to get all philosophical or anything. I'm trying not to get caught up in this world we live in where you either win or you're horrible. Or the other team has got to be awful because my team's great. The silos that we're in, and, and it, 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 is, yeah. it is just – you can be successful and have a successful journey and come up short of your expectations. Uh, yes. And then what that should do is drive you in the off season to keep those expectations and get better. Uh, if it is, you got to win a championship or you're a failure. 
that's a tough life to live um, as a fan. That's a tough life to live as an athlete or a coach or whatever else. Uh, you coach to those expectations, and you're disappointed. Failure is different than disappointment. But we live in a world now where I, my side wins or it's awful, and I'm going to you know scream and yell at, at the moon for every reason and everyone else's fault that my team or my you know group didn't win. And, and, and it's just it, – it's not a – I don't think it's healthy. Um, I'd rather Indiana be the one seed uh, in the tournament, it, but I don't know that we could, would have predicted it without the full roster. So I'll hey. leave your words to explain those. But We've had 10 solid years to rationalize losing. I think we've, we've, we've come up with a good strategy here. You're pretty good at it by now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, Coach, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think you have to enjoy the journey. You have to appreciate the steps along the way. I think no one wants this season to be the pinnacle of IU basketball, but we want it to be a good step in the right direction after, you know, and this is a, a step forward from last year, a big step forward. So, you know, you, you got you to gotta be able to recognize that. It's, it's um, last of, question. Uh, I just going to say, it's kind of what Coach Fife said when he took the job about, you know, we need to get back to where you you love Indiana and you're disappointed when they don't, but you don't sit there and just rip apart Indiana when, when they don't meet your super high expectations that we all have. But, you know, what would what would social media and what would this podcast be like in the night, you know, in some of those years where he didn't win the Big Ten or he got knocked out in the first round? I mean, hell, we would have had him run out of town uh, the way the way the world operates today. And, and, and yeah. Anyway, next question. I would have liked to do a post game show for the Ted Valentine Illinois game. That would have been a fun one. <laughs> but there would have been a lot of fun post game shows from the Minnesota game where he just let him get run off the court. That would have been a good one. <laughs> oh man. Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, we'll hit one more here. This is from uh, Leland, our buddy Leland. Are we being too hard on IU because of their terrible performance against Iowa? The team looked spent and completely out of energy after defeating Purdue. Being there, it was embarrassing at the time. Maybe a little slack is warranted. Yeah, I mean, I think we've probably hit on this from different angles. I think when you take a step back and look at it. um, But it's also hard not to watch that in the moment and be like, man, who the hell are these guys, you know, after after Saturday. So I think – I think probably, and that's one of the things that makes it both challenging and and fun to do the shows right after is that you're trying to process, okay, what did I just watch and what does this mean? And I thought, I mentioned this earlier to coach, I thought they did a good job on Tuesday of of really just trying to say, this is when you probably got to just forget. There's some themes that were here that have been there in other losses. And it, it was a team that, whether tired or otherwise didn't have itself ready to play in a game that, um, you know, was winnable had they shown up with the same energy and, and things like that. And then you just kind of move on. I mean, there's really not, just not a whole lot else you can say, I think at that point. So Leslie says, I heard the crowd was blah too. Well, yeah, it was eight, nothing before the national anthem was over. So that doesn't help. (laughs) It was putrid. It was very putrid. Uh, so let's see. Bob Thompson asked, uh, while the Iowa loss feels like a gut punch, I find solace in taking a macro view and not taking for granted that we won't be sweating out selection Sunday. Where do each of you land and how you're viewing the season as a whole? I think we answered that. that. We got this question from Scott Yoko, and Will we come out and blow out Michigan? 
Very curious to hear both of your thoughts on that. Please predict what this team will do the next their next forty minutes. Indiana wins a close no. one. I don't Indiana think Indiana wins a close one. Michigan's last hope is to beat us after losing tonight. They are going to be really focused. Uh, I think we're going to get a great effort from them. But I think uh, Coach Woodson will get their attention. They could also be flat after losing, putting so much into the Illinois game right. and losing, too. Right. You, I mean, college sports, boy, you never know. I expect you to win. never know. I expect to win. Expect to win. Um, and Okay, one more here from Karen. When it comes to seeding, how much weight, if any, is given to margin of victory? For example, would it have mattered at all to the selection committee if we'd lost to Iowa by one versus 22 points, or is a loss a loss? This is a really good question because there's some nuances here. I'll, Andy, coach, I'll you let you go. I, coach, I'll let you take that first. We, we were talking about it a little bit. Uh, well, it, it affects so. the metrics, the math metrics, and all the Ken Palm and the KPI and all of that. And, and you know whether we liked those things or not, Indiana fell from nineteen to twenty nine or something like that from one game's result. And, and again, you don't look at twenty nine and just put them in a spot because they're twenty nine, but you do put them in a pocket. And, and I think that did drop Indiana from a three to a four with that big of a variance. Uh, should it be that well, we could go on a whole show, whether, you know, you cap the offense and defensive efficiency numbers in the net and in some of these things. Um, but yeah, scoring margin does play a big role in these math efficiency numbers. Yeah, it's, it's, I think from a metric standpoint, and, and you see this sometimes with teams now where they'll leave guys in, on, on both ends of things, right? Like they'll leave guys in later in the game, even if they're losing to try to see if you're going against the other team's backups, can you get the margin a little bit closer and it helps you leave your guys in. If you're winning, can you get a little bit of extra juice? Like we, Utah state's one of the teams that's on the bubble. They put it on UNLV last night and they wanted to put it on UNLV last night. They jumped up to like 22nd in the, in the net as a result. And it now becomes a little bit in their case, different conversation of, yeah, they don't have any great wins, but can you really leave somebody out who's ranked 22nd? Um, and so that's stuff the committee has to face. So I think it is from a metric standpoint is different now from a loss, you know, to a certain extent, a loss is a loss, but the, the residual effects of what it does to your metrics and maybe where you fall and others fall as a result of that does have a little bit of a, a trickle down effect. Well, down 20. How receptive do you think Coach Woodson would be to an assistant going up to him and saying, Coach, we, we really need to manage our net. We need to manage our efficiency margin here. You know, it's funny. I found myself as they're in the game, as they're in the game, and I'm thinking, like, they might as well just take TJD and Huchifino out of the game at a, at, a, at a point earlier than what they actually did. Like 10 was, minutes in? And then I was like, yeah, maybe. And then I was like, you know, and I found myself like, well, maybe they're – and I'm like, no they're not in there to to try to try to work on the net i i I got about halfway through the asking myself the question and i'm like there is no way in hell that he is leaving them in for that reason i think coach woodson has grown a lot as a college coach i'm guessing he's not he's not yet ready to manage the look on his face at whoever would have come up to him and be like you know coach if we can get this down to about 12 (laughs) i know it doesn't matter but what if you put these guys back in the look on his face would have just been absolutely unbelievable (laughs) i think back to some of the ones where they did that thing where they had the players doing like impressions of him where they kind of leaned in and kind of gave that look i bet it would be (laughs) a lot like that followed with some swearing and like honestly what are you talking about Oh gosh, I would I would actually pay really good money to just see that exchange. 
Uh, that all right. feels like when you're sending somebody up to to talk to him. You're like, not gonna be me. Somebody yeah. can tell him. But Brian Walsh gonna is gonna have to do that. He's low man on the totem pole. He yeah. has to talk to Coach Woodson about efficiency. Margin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. On that note. Yep. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap this up here. All right, that's going to do it on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We will be back Sunday uh, after the senior speeches to talk IU basketball once again after IU Michigan. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Coach Tonsoni is always right about basketball. <laughs> Where'd that come from? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't shameless, like carrots. Shameless self-promotion from Mrs. Tonsoni. <laughs> this is what happens when Coach is allowed to take the controls. <laughs> You need to give me your 16 pages of Ryan clips if I'm going to take the controls. I really do. <laughs> I really do. Um, okay, here's my last question for you, Coach. Andy, I know you might have to bounce. Um, but how, how would you have handled a game, like the, a game like the Iowa game where it's like you're pissed, they don't show up, but you don't want to do a three-hour practice late in the season and they're getting the day off the next day anyway? Like, what do you do? Do you just go into film room and rip them in film room? And then, or do you just say, flush it, let's go, guys, it was a bad game? Are you pissed? Like, and I know it's hard to know without actually knowing the guys. Right. But like, what generally, like, what, what do you do in a situation like that? It's a weird time to have a performance that bad, honestly. Yeah. I, with, without having the relationships and knowing what, players can take what and what teams can take what uh here's what i would have done i probably would have i probably would have subbed out earlier um for rest and just tell the guys you know what you decided not to bring it in you sit and watch the last six minutes you know like at some point you weren't going to win that game um at at whatever time and i'd have sent the message when they come up that definitely is true (laughs) when they come off it's like i I can't believe how disappointed i am that this was the effort we got you sit and watch it you own it you sit in it i'd have been a real asshole on on game oh shit jared morris gave up on us okay yeah we're taking you out Um, (laughs) so i'd have done that and then then i would have had a heart-to-heart discussion with film saying guys we're gonna watch this and this just can't happen like we had a great performance and we gave it all away we had a packed house everyone was you know we play for indiana and we and we didn't do it this is embarrassing like there's a time when they know they know how bad it was so screaming and yelling and putting them on the end line is more beginning of the year stuff because you got to save them mentally and you got to save their legs and, and you still have something to play for. So, you know, I, I would, you know, probably do it like I did with my boys. When I was mad at my boys, we had a meeting and I, and I talked to them and tried to get them to like, that's not a Tonsoni effort. That's embarrassing. I never scream and yell. And then they would all, you know, put their head down and go up and see mom and do all that kind of stuff. Right. But, um, and there's other times where and you just then, kick and then their she'd ass. say coach Sony is always right about basketball. <laughs> yeah, and then they would right. leave. Yeah. 
But I, I think I'd just have a heart to heart conversation. Like, guys, if you we got goals, we got to win a Big Ten championship uh, tourney. We we'd like to do that. We'd like to advance in the you know Final Four and get that. But you can't be up and down. And this was the worst of the up and down. I think you just honest with a little bit of screaming, maybe. <laughs> Turn your butt cheeks I, I, on. I would not be physical in practice at all. It, it, I mean, all you're doing is you're running them further in the ground mentally. And it, and that performance might have been – we've talked fatigue for a long time too. Yeah. If you've been practicing them hard and they've been going every two or three days and they had to do it you know, to win, uh, part of that could have been left in West Lafayette, but maybe part of that was – I mean that, that's too. almost so the, you don't the want to best run way to, yeah. It's almost the best way to spin it. Is it like they literally left everything in West Lafayette yeah. and put so much into that game? Because it's true. I mean, the fatigue had been an issue. So we'll, well see. I think we we'll find we out Sunday. On, I don't know if this was. I don't know. I don't know when this was, but I mean, you look at IU schedule. Their quote unquote bye was at the beginning, yeah. and so they've been playing weekday game, weekend game for nine straight weeks um, by the time it's all said and done to get to your 18 games. And I think that, you know, we talked about physically what they look like at times. And uh, I'm not really sure how that happens where, where other teams are getting, you know, a whole week off here and there. And this is about as close as they've gotten from a Tuesday to a Sunday. Um, So maybe that's good timing for, for that. And they come back a little refreshed, but um, yeah, it's kind of hard when you step back and look, it's like, man, that's a long time to go. And I know it's not like the NBA where they're playing more games than that in a week and different things like that. But for as little as the bench has been used for this team to get into that rhythm and never really have a break from it, I think we looked at it at the beginning of the season and kind of like, yeah, this isn't too bad. You kind of get into this flow where you're you're playing on these kind of set days. But I do think it probably grinds on you after a little while, especially given the state of the league, the, the fact that their games have been difficult because the unbalanced schedule and, and just – how many minutes some of these guys have logged. So, Yep. All right, you know, Coach, we do have nine pages of sound bites for you. I guess I'd rather be Mark Turgeon than Kansas. I don't even know what the context what, of that what was. What was that? I'd rather be Mark Turgeon than Kansas. Was <laughs> your quote. I don't know if that was me when Kansas was sense. really in trouble with some of the – The stripper pole. appeared that they might be punished. I don't know. Uh, oh, well, maybe, because this is on the same page. And then I would have been fired because of the stripper <laughs> poles in high school. <laughs> Luca Garza is not a pimple on Calvert's backside. Your finest moment, honestly. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Just a, let's, just let's a crisp go. two hours on a Thursday night here. <laughs> it was helpful, uh, though. I, I got some laughter <laughs> out. We got some giggles out. Relief. That's important. Jared survived a storm. Exactly. Survived a storm. Ryan, you know, out watching high school basketball. So it's all good. We're all we're all getting important things done tonight. Goodness gracious. All right. Good night, everybody. Sounds good. We'll see you see guys. Y'all. I'm ending this broadcast. I'm in control. End it. So let's go home and go to bed. It's gone. It's a wise choice. See y'all. See ya. Coach, see are you ya. sending this to Ari? Yeah, I'm gonna do it right now. Okay. We'll see. All right. See ya.
Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.